Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790. The ticket, Tobin here with you. We had a fight night. It is exciting. We had a fight night. UFC 249 live from Jacksonville, Florida, and it was an absolute thriller. It really, really was. Um, which, first of all, I think that just has to be, you know, we have to have gratitude towards the fighters and the performances they put on. It was an incredible night, um, newsworthy night. Uh, I thought uh, a star-making night in a lot of ways, which was fantastic. And and, um, and a lesson. I think, I think the, the uh, you know, a night we could take away uh, a lot of stuff from. And, and when we do these post-fight recaps and we try and dictate things and storylines and directions and where things are going and what these people are going to be, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we should just uh, take a step back every once in a while and think, hey, maybe there's a chance these guys can turn things around and, and become pretty fantastic. So um, it was, it was, it was wild. It looked, it was a stressful weekend in regards to the fight week because you did have the news of Jacare Souza po- testing positive for COVID-19 two of his team members. Uh, they did test everybody else. Nobody else tested positive. I believe they're testing everybody on the way out of this because, you know, Jacksonville is going to be their hub for the next 10 days or so. Uh, so I did, you know, there was part of me that was thinking with all the stuff that was going down on Friday night, early into Saturday morning, were we going to have UFC 249? Disney had already kind of buckled once to public pressure. Um, that more had some governmental step in where, you know, government didn't really have regulations and they were just hoping, all right, maybe they'll just do a solid for a big company that's in our state. This wasn't going to be the case you thought for Florida, you know, Florida, we're opening up, you know, Palm Beach County's opening up one day. Uh, Miami date is, uh, is planned to open up in, in a, a, a week after that. So certainly Florida has been a little bit more loosey goosey when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, and again, you know, we've spent so much time talking about it and we've spent a lot of, a lot of, a lot of showtime dedicated to, is it right to do this? Is it not right to do this? You know, look, I really want to get into the fights because it's, it was such a thrilling night of competition, of athletic competition. Those guys really did put their heart and souls on it and really did feel like they put a show on it. So as much as I'd love to to banter about the whole Jacare Souza did the UFC act irresponsibly, I don't think anybody's mind is going to get changed in this. I made my point clear when the whole Habib versus Tony Ferguson thing was going down that I didn't think they should have done the fight without fans. It was the fans' fight. But it became very clear what their president was going to do. So, you know, the idea that, that even with a COVID-19 test, popping up positive and still putting an event on, you know, in a weird lot of ways, I thought that it was a little bit refreshing. Um, so I, I really think that from this standpoint, you know, Jacare's testing positive is a huge bummer. Uh, it's not that surprising uh, because he had family members around that he was dealing with it. But um, look, I think we got plenty of time to dive into that stuff. I really, really do. I'm not trying to skate on it. Um, it's just, I don't know what in depth we could get into it. You know, like I think if you're disgusted by the UFC and then putting on shows, um, I'm not here to convince you otherwise feel how you want to feel. Ultimately, I enjoyed the hell out of watching sports last night. So I missed it 
And those guys put on an awesome performance for a television audience. Nobody in the building, uh, which I'm sure was weird for a lot of them. Not completely foreign. I mean, they've all been on regional shows and small shows before. But to do it in front of absolutely nobody, no reaction, no pop, nobody to 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 to, to get you going. Um, yeah, from my standpoint, I just don't think that uh, I, I want to hit that exercise right now because... Those athletes put on a fantastic show last night, and they were awesome, and I was very, very thankful for it. I was thankful to have, ultimately, the UFC back in my life, and that's really what I came out of it with. And and I did come out of it with a little bit more of, uh, I don't want to say hope, but it was nice. It was just nice, you know? It just felt back to normalcy of kicking back and, and watching fights and and going back into the uh, the realm of, oh, yeah, 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 this is what this feels like. And it didn't hurt that the fights were really awesome. So that's kind of where I want to go with this. Um, I think that we can get into the whole pandemic thing. I got, look, I got a four-hour radio show five days a week. I'd like to, I'll, I'll hit it at some point during there. For this one, uh, let's start off with the main event, which was Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. Um, and I always, I, I'm one of these people, like, if I have a prediction that's dead wrong, boom, I raise my hand and I say it was dead wrong. Because I said that I thought Tony Ferguson was too much for Justin Gaethje on a normal, circ- under normal circumstances. Certainly under shortened circumstances, I thought that he was really up against it, a guy in Tony Ferguson who just, you know, he feels like, he doesn't feel human, and I don't think that really changed. Just because I saw a guy get beat tonight doesn't mean I really feel Tony Ferguson is human. Um, but I do think the world of Justin Gaethje now. I think that um, a lot has to be said for what he has done because this is a guy who came into the UFC, you know, from the World Series of Fighting. Um, a wrecking machine, a guy who could just out-tough everybody, out-violent everybody. Um, and that was kind of his best skill set that everybody kind of saw on the surface. Yeah, he had the great leg kicks, and you know he's a tremendous striker and all that type of stuff, but he uh, he was one of those guys who was kind of kind of out, out-tough the tough. And you know, you think back to his Michael Johnson fight, just the, the comeback that he had where he was getting cracked early, looked really bad for him, and... Um, you know, it, and, and, and he was able to bail himself out and then, you know, tough losses to Eddie Alvarez, who at one point was the cream of the crop at 155, And then Dustin Poirier, who certainly has been a perennial top five contender now top three contender now at 155 pounds. And, and, uh, he just looked, a, he looked a little outclassed, especially from a technical standpoint, you know? that he wasn't just going to be able to go and out-tough these guys. And I think a lot of people, uh, and I'll include myself in that regard, just thought maybe this was just a a little bit cut above of where he was ready to go. And that just speaks, I think, to the greatness of these athletes and these combat athletes to really go in there and and work on themselves. And he he came in with just such a vengeance, steamrolling fools. Edson Barboza, James Vick, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, just these thunderous vicious wins um to really put himself back on the map and tonight was next level because i thought that if he was going to beat tony ferguson if he was going to beat tony ferguson i mentioned this last week that it had to be done 
the way he was winning these fights. He had to do it quickly. And if this fight went into deep waters, he was going to be in deep bleep. You know, it was going to be in, in, in it was going to be tough sledding for him the entire way. And it was the opposite. There was like, look, it felt like there was a moment in that fight where it was starting to turn towards Tony Ferguson. And it was it was the end of that second round, obviously. Uh, not just the fact that it ended with a vicious uppercut where he was kind of saved by the horn, but it just felt like Tony's tide, the tide was starting to turn. Like you could see the gas tank was starting to erode a little with Justin. He was going for broke on everything. He was really trying to eradicate the uh the boogeyman and, and Tony Ferguson. And you really gotta give you know credit to, to, to Justin Gaethje and you gotta give credit to his coach Trevor Whitman for saying, you know, take a little steam off this because when it was coming from a technical standpoint, it wasn't even close striking wise. I mean, he was he was beating Tony to the punch on everything. He was better uh as far as getting the better shots. Um you know it really was just a case of uh oh Tony's best asset has always been he can go harder longer than anybody else. And it felt very kind of similar to the Anthony Pettis fight where it was off to a tough star form, but he was, you know, he came back and, and, uh, and really put it on him. Um, a little bit similar to, 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 to do, uh, to Cerrone, even though he had that one a little bit better handled that, you know, he lets these guys hit the floor on, hit the floor on uh, on their gas tank, and then, boom, he takes advantage of it. But this was different. You know, it, it, when it, everybody looked at that second round and probably thought, and I know I did, I tweeted out, you know, business has just picked up for El Kukui. I thought the tide's turning. This is, this is where it's going to end, and it didn't. You know, Justin was fantastic. He was hitting Tony with just such hellacious stuff. Um, so I think it's one of those things where you're almost – wowing the guy surviving more than the guy dishing out the damage because of how crazy it is that any human being can withstand what he's doing. Um, but he was, he was, he was, he was a truck the rest of the way, man. He, he was a Mack truck and, and Tony was just, was just really just standing in the middle of the road. Um, couldn't get anything going too much. Didn't, didn't get those, uh, you know, he was getting chewed up with those, with those, uh, leg kicks, which uh, which many opponents do against Justin Gaethje, but you know one thing that we we didn't really get to see from Tony that was a big signature is the elbows, which lets you know that you know it was tough dealing with the punishment of of getting inside on Justin. You know Justin, what because you got to be close range with that kind of stuff, and you know Tony just couldn't. It was it it really just wasn't worth the price of admission for him. Um, so I mean. There's a couple things that go through your mind from this. Is just one, what a tremendous completion and turnaround from from Justin Gaethje, who didn't even want the interim belt, which is a, a complete badass move. Is to, you know, so many people are, uh, are 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 pining for interim titles, interim this, interim that, um, you know, and I can take him or leave him. You know, it's 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 kind of been numb to many UFC fans at this point. But he looks upon it as a fake belt, doesn't want it. And I think a lot of people thought that was a badass move. Um, and just to think that, you know, maybe this guy looked a little bit outclassed not that long ago. Just a little bit outclassed by the best in this division. 
now looks like a guy who beat the best guy in the division. Um, you know, and uh, or arguably the best guy in the division. So, you know, and he's he made it clear he wants Tony. There was no Connor call out. There was none of that stuff that he is, you know, he there, there there's a, a, a real pride in himself going and beating the guy who's 28 and 0, who the real champion is, and he doesn't need a fake belt to um fortify anything. And I think and, and that says something because I think anybody who's a fight fan knows what he just did to Tony Ferguson. Stopping Tony Ferguson, think of it, stopping Tony Ferguson is crazy. It's insane. You can't even wrap your mind around. He hasn't lost in seven years, uh, longer than that. I think 2012, eight years. So it, it, it's, 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 it's a wild, wild performance from him. It really, really is. Um, as far as, as far as Tony's concerned, man, my heart just bleeds for him. You know, that is a guy who. You know, just he has been, you know, you've been wanting him to get this justification for so long that maybe he is the best lightweight on the planet and, you know, has had things just slip out of his control most of the time, mostly because, uh, one, he's not the biggest star, uh, doesn't have this need to, he doesn't have this, you know, crazy bitter feud with Conor McGregor. Um, is a little bit of a, a, a weird guy, um, you know, had some, had some mental things that he was going through, had a horrible injury while he was interim champion. So he had his interim strap taken away while he was doing media for the UFC. And you think, man, this will at least be the day where with the world shut down with no sports, all eyes can be on Tony Ferguson, um, in, in what's been the best division in the UFC to show he's the best fighter or has a claim to be the best fighter and you know that's that's this sport that's combat sports man that's that's and i think especially with mixed martial arts it just it doesn't those showcase fights they just don't work out that way even though if it seems like everything is set up for you for it to be uh you know be there for you and i don't you know i don't think we're gonna get tony versus khabib now i don't know you know maybe tony will uh, you know i'm not saying that gaethje's gonna go and beat uh khabib because you know this is a completely different matchup. I think so. I think Tony just had some unique stuff for Khabib that I don't know that Gaethje does. Um, I don't know that Gaethje can prevent uh, Khabib from taking him down, even though he is a, a has a great wrestling background. We don't see it much from him. Um, you know, maybe he can inflict pain on Khabib and uh, those leg kicks, and then Khabib won't be able to take him down. I don't know. I'm not saying he can't either one, one way or the other. I'm just saying that I think a lot of people looked at the riddle of. Dermaga Madoff and thought Ferguson was maybe even a tougher riddle. And so, you know, it's kind of like now what for him? What where do we go with Tony Ferguson at this point? Um because is Connor gonna fight him? I mean, I would highly doubt it unless, you know, Connor thinks I'm taking on an old fighter, 36 years old, who just took the beating of his life. Um so now he could really, you know, go demolish, demolish or kind of finish what Justin Gaethje started. Maybe he thinks that. I mean, Tony certainly, look, if there's anything that you can say about Tony tonight, uh, he looked very susceptible to that to that left hook. You know, uh, Connor, different stance. He's a, he's, a, he's a southpaw, but of course has that monster left hand. So um, does he look at Tony and look at, uh, look at that and say, 
I can pounce on that opportunity now and make myself undeniable. Nobody can say anything. This is Tony Ferguson, you know, the, the most unstoppable force there was. Now I go, go beat him. Boom. I move right back to the top of the line. I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting. It, it, it'll be interesting to see where, what comes of that. I think that, uh, that's a possibility if, you know, if Tony wants to come back and uh, if Joel, he took a beat. I mean, I would hope this is what I would hope. I would hope that Tony Ferguson takes his time after after a fight like that and doesn't fight for a while. Like we don't see Tony Ferguson maybe till the end of the year, Um, you know, but he's a prize fighter. And if that if that golden ticket of Conor McGregor comes a knock and would he speed up the process and fight him in July? Maybe. I don't know. Um, as far as, uh, you know, and, and so I will say this, like, look, uh, I know that there was some talk of wanting him, you know, he wanted to go out on a shield. He wanted to get finished. Uh, Justin felt bad. You know, Justin said, Oh, I would die in here. Um, it's all very respectful. And I think people who aren't fighters probably can't relate to this. I can tell you as a guy who loves watching the sport is a big fan of Tony Ferguson's and I was texting with my buddy after the car was over. I wanted, I, I wanted no part of seeing Tony in that fifth round. You know, it, it wasn't like we, it didn't feel like the magic was, was there was any hail Mary there for him, you know? And, uh, it, we're not used to seeing, uh, in mixed martial arts, the towel getting thrown in per se. Um, I was glad Herb Dean stopped it when he did. I thought it could have actually even been stopped earlier. Uh, it's just not, we just don't, you don't hit, you, you really just, in, in, in MMA, it really just needs to be like, oh, a guy is either, in, if the guy is still standing and not in a compromising position, like the co-main event, and we'll get to that, um, it, it, it's really rare to just see a guy go, a ref step in front and just wave it off, but Tony was like, you, you felt like you were watching years get taken off his life. In that fight, I, to, to to really put it bluntly, that's that's the kind of performance um, Justin Gagey put on him. So, a great performance from Justin, uh, a, a star making performance, I think for sure. I think a lot of people feel like the way he dismantled Tony Ferguson, they do feel like he can go beat Nurmagomedov. Um, that's a that's that remains to be seen, but I am looking forward to that fight. I think Justin Gagey has come full circle; he's earned that. Um, and I hope that that's just what they go to. It's, it's, it's a shame that we never got Tony versus Khabib. And even if we do get it down the road, like, let's say, you know, let's say Tony fights Connor and let's say Khabib beats Justin. And let's say we get that, you know, end of the year, early 2021, whatever they try and do it. It's just, it's not going to quite be the same. You know, it's just not going to quite be the same, at least from where I'm standing now. I mean, maybe Tony can go out there and he could flatline Conor McGregor and he's all the way back. But right for right now, it feels like the lost fight and it doesn't feel like it ever could be what it was. And so that's a huge bummer. But on the bright side of that, Justin Gaethje has put himself in position to now be the guy at 155. Um, I think made a lot of fans tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if, if you're him, you have Khabib in your crosshairs. And if you beat him, you've, you know, him and Connor have kind of been jawing back and forth. And there's been rumors of that fight happening. And you know what the funny thing is, is now 
he's actually in, I think, a better position because I think that fight will do a lot better for him. You know, Connor fights are always a monster, but I would say, you know, of all the things they've kicked around on Connor, Connor versus Justin Gaethje, just you were kind of just like, all right, I mean, yeah, I'll see. It's going to be a fun fight. But now I feel like it's you, you got a guy who's got like some A1 credentials behind him. And I think with Connor and all that stuff, that's going to make it even bigger if they ever do square off. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the co-main event. We will talk about uh, Francis Ngannou versus Jarzino Rosenstrike. The rest of the UFC 249 card, a lot to dive into uh, from, sun, uh, from Saturday night. Huge night of fights. We're back with more on Fighters Fury after this. All right, welcome back, guys. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Um, all right, so we'll continue on with UFC 249 from last night from Jacksonville, Florida. We had a co-main event, Bantamweight Championship on the line. Henry Cejudo was taking on Dominic Cruz, who replaced Jose Aldo, COVID-19. So they went with the former Bantamweight champion. Uh, Henry Cejudo won to get himself a legend on the resume. And, uh, you know, I, I thought in this one, uh, this this was, I think that, this was like the lone the lone fight I had, I had uh, right tonight. It felt like I was, uh, I was whiffing all over the place. Um, so Henry Cejudo, he ends up getting the win. Uh, he finishes down to Cruz second round, hits him with the knee, vicious knee. First of all, the, you know, big story of it. He's hitting him with leg kicks straight ahead, not really getting hypnotized by the movement of Dominic Cruz. Um, didn't feel shook by it at all. Which I do feel like, uh, you know, the the uniqueness of Dom, I do feel like has been shattered a little bit as the years have gone on. It's just not as unique to see a guy. Maybe not, I mean, maybe he moves more than other people, but I just don't think it shakes. Uh, you know, TJ Dillashaw kind of stole that style a little bit. Uh, Cody Garbrandt a little bit. Everybody kind of watched Dominic do that thing, and we saw Cody outshine Dominic Cruz with that same kind of style too, uh, with the, with the movement. So, um, I just don't think Henry was shook by it. You know, he just kind of went straight forth with it. Um, and, 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 and went at Dom's legs, which look have been a propensity to, to, to get injured. So why not, you know, go to the, to the, to the, to the root of his problems, but you know, just didn't seem shook by it at all. Didn't really uh, look for the takedowns or anything like that. It was just kind of this one flat-out uh, run. And it did seem like Dom was getting a little bit of his uh, range going in the second round. But then they had a nasty clash of heads. Um, Cejudo was cut open. The, they, they, they go back going. And I don't know if it's just a case of urgency because Cejudo was cut. So maybe he was feeling it. But um, he bull rushed it. He hit him with this really close range knee to the head and i mean dom dom was hurt bad uh he hit him with a nice right hand followed it up and then was hitting with some shots and keith Peterson uh stopped the fight you know stopped the fight uh dom pops right back up and you know a lot of people were thinking oh bad stoppage bad stoppage dom looks good this is always tough a tough thing with the referees because and this kind of goes back to what we were saying with um, last with, with, uh, with what Herb did stopping the, stopping the Tony Ferguson thing is like, you know, it's a thankless job, uh, y you know, but you don't want, like if the guy always had to be unconscious when they make the decision, 
it's not it, you're not really protecting him from himself. And with this case of Dominic Cruz, he's getting eleven unanswered shots, and Keith Peterson's looking at him. He's on the floor, and it's kind of hard to see where momentum's going. Maybe the body is responding a little bit, but if he doesn't step in there, does Henry Cejudo hit him with another knee and it flatlines him? You know, like they're not all obvious, like the uh, the heavyweight fight that we'll get to, obviously between. And Gano Rosa strike where a dude's dead up against the fence. And so while I feel for Dominic Cruz, um, because maybe he wasn't completely put out, and and now Cejudo's had a couple of these on his resume where he beat TJ Dillashaw and people question was it too fast? Or, you know, he but but you know, one of the things with T, with Henry is like he it's not like these are coming out of nowhere. These aren't like uh, you know, this isn't Ben Askren versus Robbie Lawler where it's just like, oh, I thought the guy was unconscious, and he clearly was was just laying there, or just was just there, resting or anything like that. You know, Dom was getting Dom was getting the business put on him. He really was, and so while it sucks for him because it's four years out, and you know he's in a championship fight, um, I also just don't think he did himself any favor. So I really can't take anything away. Other big story that came out of this was uh, Henry Cejudo retired. He says he's done fighting. He's done everything there is to do. He's 32 years old, and, uh, you know, he's ready to wrap it up. There was some – apparently Joe Rogan says that he had heard some things, and DC said he heard some things in regards to he wanting to get paid more. Um, you know, he's done this whole Triple C thing and, um, you know, best combat sports athlete of all time, the king of cringe and all that type of stuff. I do think – this is what I think with the Henry Cejudo thing, with the whole king of cringe. I, I do think in, in ways I think it helped him with, you know, the niche mixed martial arts media and all that type of stuff. But I don't think it's one that really got him over as a star. And I, and I think that for him, it's funny. You know, they, they, had, a, uh, they had this performance tonight. Uh, they, had a, they honored George St. Pierre tonight. Uh, he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame. And I really think that, you know, you think about how far people have come. And I think that uh, you think about this guy bouncing back from the Mighty Mouse loss that he had and where he got to um, and just how well-rounded he is. I mean, the wrestling, he's got a gold medal in wrestling. um, And the type of way he's finishing people for a guy of his size uh, and good strikers too, Dominic Cruz, Marlon Marais, uh, you know, TJ Dillashaw, these are guys he's he's stopping. And you think of that resume and you think like you shouldn't it's like one of those things where I don't I think the King of Cringe thing was just almost a miss for him because he, you're, you're almost being so goofy you forget about how much of a a good fighter the guy is or just just what his resume has put forth. And so do I believe that he that he, that he retired? I don't even know. Like, cause he's he's like such a hacky WWE guy where people are trying to, I guess, boom. I don't like. I don't get it. And I guess maybe that's the point. I just like, it's a big whiff for me with whatever Henry Cejudo is trying to do to get himself over or get himself booed or whatever it's supposed to be. Um, because I feel like his resume is just. One of those where this dude is is like the all American hero, you know, all American hero. Also is, uh, you know, Latin American and, you know, could speak, you know, could cross over markets and you know is an Olympic champion, and is a two division champion, and is finishing legends and all that. 
Like he does, he just doesn't need the goofy gimmick. You know, like it's kind of like Colby Covington. Like Colby Covington with the uh, with the MAGA stuff and and the Donald Trump stuff. It's like you knew he was going in a specific lane to just get hated, but Colby also just didn't have the the resume quite yet. Like this Triple C thing and this King, it kind of just came out of like a- after he already had the big wins, and it's like you dethrone Mighty Mouse, you beat. TJ Dillashaw, you beat, uh, you know, Marlon Rice become a two division champion. It's like, do you really need all of this? So I don't even know. Is like, is 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 the retirement legit? I, n- nobody on social media, myself included, thinks it is. I'm like, no effing way. You know, John Jones is like, sounds like a contract play to me, uh, and he's not the only fighter to say that. I just, yeah, I don't buy it. I, I think we'll see Henry Cejudo in a year's time. Maybe he wants some time off. I know he did have a long layoff and and got shoulder surgery, but I do think that as good as he is, um, this whole King of Cringe thing was like a a weird misstep because, man, if you just – sometimes I step back at these guys. Like I look at a Colby Covington with how good a fighter he is, and I look at a guy like Henderson, and I'm like, man, I know that it does get you noticed – in some ways, and I do think with with Colby, it certainly got him enough uh, hate from other fighters, even people at his own gym. Like he, it's a guy who's like lived the gimmick, where people are like, "Oh no, 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 he's not really like that." And then they're kind of just like, "Nah, f that guy." He's still saying that, um, but when he steps in the cage, the dude's a really, really good fighter. Um, same thing with Henry. It's like, I, all right, you know, King of Cringe, cool. Like, so are you really retired? Is this a gimmick? I don't know. Dana White did say that they're gonna have a uh, bantamweight. Uh, they're going to have a bantamweight uh, fight, title fight coming up. They're going to figure it out this week. It's going to be uh, Peter Jan uh, against uh, somebody, as I believe was his quote. I would guess Aljamain Sterling. I would guess. Um, but we don't know for sure. Um, but I do think it's a bummer because now not only do you have flyweight, which, uh, which Henry vacated up in the air because of uh, – uh, the last one, um, you know, ending with the winner who who missed weight. God, what the hell is the dude's name? It escapes me right now. Um, shows you about the flyweights. But now you're in a position where now 135, you got to kind of figure out. And 135, I thought, was kind of humming a couple of years ago. But now uh, Henry leaves. You know, maybe that'll be enough to get him a new contract if he wants. Or maybe he really is retiring. Who knows? Um, so there's that. Now let's get to the the fight the dude who i think uh no question i think uh made himself the biggest star of the night and that was francis Ngannou. and uh we had uh we had john anik on this week during fight week and he was uh he was adamant he's like if we get a belt uh around francis Ngannou, you're talking about like an uber uber star for the UFC, you know, so who's the next star of the UFC? Who's going to be the next breakout guy? Francis Ngannou is, he's like, he's like an Avenger. <laughs> he, he looks, he's a cartoon come to life. Like that's, that's the kind of scary this guy is when he steps into that cage. And I look, I gave a lot of respect to Jarzino Rosenstrike for taking this fight for calling out for, Take it out of this fight. We're calling out this fight. And, you know, we had Rosenstrike on, and he said that he was going to knock him out for sure. Look, 
like came out with a little bit of kickboxing and you know maybe it bothered Ngannou, maybe it didn't, but like Ngannou was like f that and just started throwing nuclear bombs at Rosenstrike. A a a a a haymaker basically landed right on his chin and he was out out. And he's at that point where he's just got some of these cartoonish knockouts, Overeem and uh, Rosenstrikes on the menu, and Cain Velasquez busting them up. You know, he's just got these freak knockouts. And again, it kind of goes, like I said, this was kind of the theme of the night of all these guys who maybe bit off a little bit more than they could chew early on in their careers. And you kind of write them off. You write off of Justin Gates. You're like, nah, dude's a World Series of Fighter. World, World Series of Fighting champion. He ain't a UFC champion. Henry Cejudo. Ah, he's all right, but not good enough to beat Don, uh, Demetrius Johnson. And Ngannou, like another guy who had that freak knockout against Francis Ngannou. And, I mean, against Alistair Overeem, excuse me. And uh, has the match against Stipe. And just gets outclassed. Now, in 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 getting outclassed, Stipe has not sounded the same as a human being when he talks since fighting Francis Ngannou, but had that fight, you know, and then kind of was thrown under the bus by Dana White. You know, was seen as a guy who had Mr. Ego, you know, uh, wasn't, wasn't uh, falling in line with all that stuff. So, you know. He's kind of getting written off by the company, which was really getting behind him and saw the star potential of obviously what he could be. Then he had the Derek Lewis fight, atrocious fight. Uh, not that he got like humiliated, but like just not, you know, we were all licking our chops like, ah, oh, this is that's how you come back. And it was terrible. And he admitted to being shook, being shaken in that fight. And you just think about what the guy has turned himself into from that and in, in, in going on the run that he's gone on to get back to where he is now um, just speaks to, to a great level of character from him. And you got to give him all the props to the world. And I hope that the same thing is going to be true of, of Jarzinho, that I think that that guy won four straight last year and he took a home run cut to get to the top. And called out France Ngannou. It was a crazy move. Bit off more than he could chew, probably. Um, and got beaten 20 seconds by UFC Drago. But I hope that this isn't written off at all. Oh, well, that dude is a flash in the pan. No, man. Like, this is a guy who comes from a country where there is no fight background. Basically, it's like him and Tyrone Spong. Those are the only guys from Sudanam who fight. Um, so it's very new to their culture. And he's got the burden of being kind of the face of that for a nation. So I hope that he takes what Francis did, what Cejudo did, what Justin Gaethje did, and run with it. I hope that, you know, nobody boxes him in and says, this is what you are now. You are, um, you are this, this, uh, this, this one-hit wonder, this one-year wonder, if you will. Um, I hope that uh, that's not the case for Rosenstrike because I think he's got a lot of potential. But for Francis... Look, uh, they got to figure out what's going on with Stipe and DC. Uh, it was one of the things that we talked about in our titles, not wanting a fake championship and the move that Gaethje pulled. But the difference with this is, and I told you this when uh, I talked to Rosenstrike, is the reason I agreed with this being an interim championship fight is because 
similar to what you have with now in the bantamweight division, I do think it's going to be a problem if DC goes and beats Stipe and that's it for DC and he retires. Like, where do you go from there? So I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, if, if, if Cormier ends up winning, you know, is he going to be, you know, he was, they were joking back and forth with John and a guy, you don't want to, you want a piece of him. You don't want a piece of him. You know, I, I don't think DC's scared of, of Rosen of, uh, I don't think he's scared of Francis Ngannou, but he's, you know, he's been talking about retirement forever now. And, you know, Stipe's already beat him. <laughs> you know, if you're Stipe Miocic and you're going to beat Daniel Cormier, like, honestly, if you're Miocic, what's left for you? You've beat you. You beat the holy hell out of Francis. And look, man, just listen to his interview. You don't sound the same. You want you really want to go out there again and take on the guy and see if you can get through another twenty five minutes without getting bombarded again. I mean, I hope the money's right. I hope it's real right for Stipe. Um, so that's all I was thinking. Like, if you were gonna, if if any fight deserved an interim title, certainly Tony deserved to fight for a title because he was showing up and cutting weight twice in three weeks and all that stuff crazy person um but this one i thought made sense because i do think there's genuine question marks with where the division stands and with that being the case those are those are the times where i think interim titles really are appropriate so that's uh those are those are some of the monsters out of ufc 249 and, and the big headlines out of last night greg hardy ended up getting a win uh calvin cater versus jeremy stevens was awesome Awesome fight. Calvin Cater got a, a vicious, vicious win over Jeremy Stevens. Greg Hardy uh, uh, against Jorgen DeCastro. Not, you know, not the fight you'll remember the most out of this. But, look, Greg Hardy is uh, continuing to get wins. Um, you know, my only thing with Greg Hardy has been, and, and he certainly got a lot of respect with what he did with the Volkov thing. You know, the only thing I've always said with Greg Hardy is um, with the star, like, with all the controversy that it was actually a weird thing with Greg Hardy and I because he didn't have any crowd reaction uh, at all with it. So it kind of wasn't even like a thing to think about what the Greg Hardy reaction is. But, you know, he's always going to be in those prominent spots. Pay-per-view card, co-main on a fight night, all that type of stuff. Um, but I really just don't feel like we've seen like that highlight. We haven't had a Francis Ngannou moment with Greg Hardy since he was on Contender Series. And I think a lot of people thought when he did what he did to Austin Lane in the Contender Series, we were going to get that all the time with, with, uh, with, with Greg Hardy, and I don't think that's really been the case. So, um, yeah, that's really – I don't have much on it as far as is he going to be a contender. I still think he's got a long, long way to go. Um, I do think he, he was taking on an injured opponent tonight too. But, uh, but he does trudge on. Look, his record is now 6-2. and two. One of those losses is uh, – a disqualification and one of those losses is to a top 10 opponent. So, um, you know, he's doing what he should do for a guy who hasn't been in the game that long. So it's, it, I, it's not one of these nights where I want to take a lot of credit away from, from Greg Hardy for sure. Um, but yeah, that's our recap. That's uh, that's UFC 249, everybody. So we come back, we got some news as far as bare knuckle fighting is concerned. Shannon, the cannon Brig, uh, Mike Tyson, uh, obviously making a splash this week. And Shannon the Cannon Briggs, uh, could we have a, a thriller in Brown's Villa, as it's been dubbed on the internet? We'll talk about that coming up next. The combat world went crazy this week because 
Mike Tyson, he released some footage of himself training. He was hitting pads uh with uh with with uh with one of his trainers and he looked like a beast uh he looks like he's lost a lot of weight and you know in boxing we just can't help ourselves we love nostalgia combat sports we love nostalgia we love the old guys coming back you know bellator has made it a bedrock of their organization now for the last five years or so um people love the comeback fight people romanticize about george foreman coming back and winning the heavyweight title randy couture all that type of stuff it's it 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 really is something that's just always tied in the comeback fight guys retiring when people people joke about fighters retiring so mike tyson um looks good especially i think if you've seen mike tyson in post in, in post boxing life you know he's you know been a bit overweight and and all that type of stuff but now is is actually looking pretty fantastic look like he's looks like he's getting himself into good shape and still looks ferocious and these videos have come out before where he is uh, done some shadow boxing and he's gone out and, and shown some movement. Still got it. He's Mike Tyson. You know, he's still still one of the most most uh, ferocious uh, ferocious beings to ever throw punches for a living. And um, this was getting some legit buzz. There was a rugby people in Australia wanted to offer Mike Tyson a million dollars to fight a rugby guy. I don't know how bad how much you're gonna, how lucky you're going to be to get Mike Tyson in the ring for a million dollars. But you're talking crazy money, silly money. I think we could actually talk about Mike Tyson actually making it happen. And he has talked about wanting to do some exhibition stuff, things like that. Evander Holyfield came out this week and said he's doing something like that, that he is uh, getting himself into shape, and he wants to fight like three, four-round exhibitions. Uh, Floyd Mayweather is going to do this now, uh, you know, throughout his career, where he's going to be fighting fights that aren't professional, don't count towards his record. Um, but this did get a little bit of legitimate buzz this week because uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, BKFC, they uh they're a company that has big aspirations they they think of themselves as they want to be the next ufc they want to be the thing that's taken over the planet and look i've been to a couple of bare knuckle events i've been to dada 5000's card i've been to bkfc i like things about both of them i think both of them could definitely use some improvement in some areas as well but you know a lot of the thing it's going to take to to get a sport a combat sport off the ground is you do need to get recognizable names so a report came out that they had offered Mike Tyson $20 million to to fight in bare knuckle. And a lot of people scoffed at this. Is this just a thing for attention? Is this just a uh is this just a maneuver to uh to get some headlines at BKFC or is it legit? Now, BKFC's got some dough behind it. Like, make no mistake, they've been throwing some good money behind some things. So it's not like they're uh it's not like they're completely hurting. I think they've done they've they've had a good model and they've got some some stuff squirreled away for some dough. But um, twenty million is a lot of money, and if you're guaranteeing that to Mike Tyson, the parameters where they guarantee him twenty million and he can pick his opponent. So, you know, got him some headlines for the day. People started buzzing. Would Mike Tyson fight bare knuckle? Would people be into it? We did a poll on uh, on my morning show, Tobin and Leroy, which you guys can hear every morning six to ten a.m. And people, I want to say it was like seventy percent of the fans said that they would be into watching Mike Tyson fight bare knuckle fighting. That that is a uh, that is something they would tune into. 72% of our audience said said uh, they would buy a Mike Tyson bare knuckle pay-per-view. But you know, the idea that he's you know, there's a couple things here with BKFC. Like the idea that he was going to pick his opponent, it could be anybody on the roster, anybody they have under contract. Um that's fine. I mean, yeah, I guess the the point is to to watch Mike Tyson go and and be Mike Tyson in the ring again. But you know, I think it does. If you're gonna do it, I feel like if you're if you're BKFC, if you're gonna do it, do it. 
Like, go out there and actual and make an actual fight. And so, you know, many many of you know from this show, and we've covered is that, and we've and we've talked to the gentleman, uh, Shannon the Cannon Briggs, great friend of the show. He had a he has an agreement with BKFC that he was going to return. Now, Shannon Briggs, Mike Tyson, they're both from Brownsville, Brooklyn, both former heavyweight champions of the world. Um, Mike obviously having a much more iconic career boxing wise than Shannon does, but Shannon being more active more recently than Mike Tyson has been. So, you know, at first it was some talk like Shannon does what he does where he's like, he's hyping up a fight and he's putting like, why don't we do Vladimir Klitschko, uh, Vladimir Klitschko versus Shannon Briggs, Holyfield versus Mike Tyson, a whole BKFC night. I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, I think that idea was probably sprung on by Shannon's boy, Dean Watto. Shout out to uh, Dean Watto on uh, Instagram. Go follow him, everybody. He's got a fantastic Instagram fighting account. But, you know, eventually, as the day went on, some a tweet came out from a David Feldman Twitter account. Now, that is the president of BKFC, and it had said something to the effect of, uh, let me get the exact wording of it, it was a tweet from David Feldman, and it said, I would like to announce that both Shannon Briggs and Mike Tyson have agreed to fight each other in the main event of BKFC 12, which I think is going to be their next one in June. It's probably going to be down here, uh, most likely in a, in, a, in a non-audience show. And Internet goes crazy. Gets a ton of retweets. A ton. Like, I'm talking over a 1,000. And Shannon sees this. Uh, and, and, and like is, is, is dope. People are into it. People are putting on fake, fake movie posters, uh, fake fight posters, excuse me, where it's, uh, the thriller in Brownsville Zilla, like, you know, uh, in Brown's Villa, like it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, people are making a cool thing out of it and it would be a very cool matchup, but it goes on later on that day. Now this thing gets a ton of retweets. It gets retweeted not only by this, but there's that Twitter account boxing kingdom, which is kind of, a uh, I don't know if you guys know the, the 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 Twitter account NBA Central. It's become very popular on uh, on Twitter. Basically, they just take everybody's reports and they tweet it out as it's as if it's their own. Boxing Kingdom is the same thing, but they got like ninety thousand followers. So this account blew up. It, this 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 thing from David Feldman, this fake David Feldman account, blew up and uh, ended up getting to the point where the BKFC account had to deny it, and that uh, that. The, not only did they have to deny it, but David Feldman's actual Twitter account had to deny it. He's not very active on Twitter. He only has like 300 followers. So when you when you look at what happened there, this thing kind of took off like a firestorm. Now, a couple things happened. So one, the the bare knuckle the bare knuckle uh, arena is not very well known. You know, like the, this isn't like. They don't have like a Kevin Ioli or they don't have an Ariel Helwani. They don't have a go-to person who is the media source for bare knuckle. Like, so when you see some guy who's got the same profile, uh, the same name, and basically just flipped a couple, a couple of letters again, and this, this fake account, what it was was basically just a troll account. It was just a guy who just switched his name. So it ended up being like some guy who's like, who's like a Twitter handle is like McGregor Rousey and just switched his name to David Feldman. It's not that hard to do. If you don't have a blue check mark, there's really no consequences to doing it. Like, for example, like if I if I were to switch my name, if I were to switch my name from Brendan Tobin to Adam Schefter, but I spell my M with two Ns, uh, the one thing you would know with my name is my blue check mark would go away. So I wouldn't do that. 
But if you don't have a blue check mark, like you change it willy nilly. You could change it to you know I, I like punches in the face uh, at at uh, at bare knuckles the best at whatever. And so it's easy if the person you need to fake doesn't have a verified account. Now, mind you, people can fake verified accounts. People get fake woged all the time. People get fake sheftered all the time. It's not that hard to troll on the internet. Um, people do it a lot, and people are very good at it. They put the same profile pic. They make the name look the same. All you need is for the right person to not look fast enough, and if they retweet you, boom, it catches like wildfire. So... You know, this real David Feldman in the bare knuckle account, I guess if I had to guess, Mike Tyson got word of this and probably wasn't thrilled that he was now in a fight with uh, with Shannon the Cannon Briggs. Uh, Shannon the Cannon sees it. Now, Shannon apparently ha- had an agreement with bare knuckle. So if he's finding out that he's fighting Mike Tyson, I'm sure he's jolly good happy because that's a big time fight for Shannon Briggs. He's been looking for a big time fight now for the better part of a decade. So we're talking a monster against a guy he idolized in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Why is he not going to sign up for that? And how does he know what David Feldman's Twitter account is actually? You know, David Feldman has 300, again, 300 Twitter followers. So this isn't like a Dana White or uh, or some commissioner that has a massive social media following. It's just too murky. People don't know. Uh, it just takes the right account to to tweet things in the in the in a different direction. So look, uh, it ended up not being true. Uh, and, and David Feldman ended up being, uh, you know, having to come out and deny it, throw some cold water on it. I will say though, here's the thing about it. You know, you may not, uh, you know, it may have ended up being fake news and it may have ended up being something where people, uh, you know, you had to go and deny it. I'll tell you right now, as far as bare knuckles concerned, if you want a, a show stopper, go get Mike Tyson versus Shannon Briggs. Like the people are into it. Like, you're seeing Dillian White tweet about it. You're seeing all kinds uh Jarrell Miller. You're seeing all kinds of boxing guys and people in the community be like, yeah, if we're gonna like if you're gonna have Mike Tyson come back, all right, and you want some attention in the fight community, don't just have Mike Tyson come back to come back. All right. Yes, he'll get headlines and yes, it'll be cool, but if you're gonna have him come back, have him fight another ex-boxer, two guys who have been pretty inactive, guys from the same area, guys who can promote a fight, guys who can actually make it entertaining, captivating, people talking about it. Um, but you know Shannon can be a great foil for this. I mean, you you know a guy who went and chased Vladimir Klitschko on a wakeboard and knocked him off. I mean, the guy plays the perfect heel uh, if you want Mike Tyson to be his baby face. Or you know Mike Tyson has been plenty of time to heal in his career as well. So... This idea where you should just say, oh, no, 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 it's not true. I get you. Like, maybe it's not true and you got to deny it. But, like, to just close shop on it, I think that's stupid. I think that this should be absolutely a target fight for BKFC. And if you want to talk about something that could be, like, you know, your Kimbo Slice versus Ken Shamrock, if you will, which was for Bellator or, you know, one of uh, or your landmark fight that could really get the eyeballs on the sport this is it for you. I mean, like, if you're going to go and make a maneuver, um, and you're like, oh, well, we're going to pay Shannon, you know, tw- you know, we're going to pay Mike Tyson $20 million. We have to pay Shannon Briggs. Like, maybe you got to pay him more. Maybe you got to play him. I don't know. But uh, maybe you got, maybe he's got to play, fight what his contract is. I imagine whatever it is, though, if he's going to be in a Mike Tyson fight, I'm sure it could be monster for his sponsorships or whatever. Um, and not only that, that I think is going to get you the most legit amount of pay-per-view buys of people wanting to fork over their money to watch a fight. You can go see Mike Tyson fight a schlub, um, and you could go see him fight just whomever on the BKFC roster. That's fine. I mean, you go you could go watch a squash match, or you could watch a fantasy matchup. 
you know? People in in, in, in professional wrestling, they'd love the squash, ma- squash match where, you know, Andre the Giant would come and beat a guy in three seconds. Yeah, sure, that's fine. But what's better? Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan, you know? Like, that's... That the 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 dream matchups, the fantasy scenarios, those are the ones that people really, really get captivated for. So I don't know what the future holds for for BKFC and, and the negotiations on this, but I can tell you that people are into this fight. I mean, I can tell you as a person who consumes fighting on a daily basis and 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 is in touch with the fan base and knows what people are into, this is something that they would be into. And I think the boxing community would get behind it. I think that would help them a lot. Um, I think the MMA community will be behind it as well because you have the MMA element to uh, to to this. They're both just monster personalities. You have an uber uber star in Mike Tyson coming back, and he's actually fighting somebody that people have heard of. Um, I just think it's a home run from from my standpoint. Now, the, I mean, the the big obstacle here is would Tyson want to do it? Um, the question, like, look. Do you want if you're Mike Tyson? Do you want to just go fight some dude who's you've never heard of before, and and the possibility that you lose, like maybe he gets, you know, Seth Petrozelli, like he just gets he just gets completely clipped, and that could happen in the midst of fighting. He hasn't been in the ring in forever. Or if you go and beat a fight, do, if you feel good about your training and you legit are going in there and competing, do you go and and try and do it against somebody who is, you know, with hand skill set, a guy that you know can throw punches. Um, I think if you're, I think if you're weighing the risk reward, first of all, your reward is $20 million. You're coming back and it's going to be an insane payday if, if that is legit, which I do believe it is. Um, but the risk isn't that bad. Like you're losing to a guy who was heavyweight champ of the world and is younger than you. If you lose to somebody nobody's ever heard of, then it becomes a sad story. You know what I mean? Like there's no shame in Mike Tyson coming back for $20 million and losing to Shane and the Cannon Briggs. There is, if he loses to Redneck Brawler or Hillbilly Jim or whoever they got going out there. You know, I mean, look, if he does it against somebody legit like Hector Lombard, okay. But, you know, at that point, do you want to fight a guy like Hector Lombard or do you want to fight a guy like uh, like Shannon Briggs? I mean, what at that point, if you're, my, if, if you're BKFC, wouldn't you just rather him fight the more famous guy or the, the matchup that's going to do better? And I love, look, this is coming as a guy who loves both of those individuals who have given a lot of time to the show. Um, but you could just, you could just, some things are a marketing home run. And Mike Tyson versus Shannon Briggs is a marketing home run. Um, I think Mike Tyson's bare knuckle or fight return, whoever gets that business is going to do good business. But if you already have one piece under the tent in Shannon Briggs, you already have a piece of the circus. You go and you go yourself this uh this this uh this this crazy extra act of Mike Tyson to come in there. Now you got Ringland Brothers, man. Like you have a crazy, crazy uh event that I think could be the biggest combat event really of the season. I mean, outside of I guess maybe McGregor taking on Khabib again or you know, Canelo Triple G. You know, I think you would you have Mike Tyson's return in a combat sporting event against a guy in his same age range that will promote the hell out of the fight. Um, I think that's the go-to move. I don't say, Mike Tyson, you get to fight whoever you want. I say, I'm giving you $20 million. You have to take on a guy who's, you know, f- how old is Shannon? 40, 48? 48 years old? He's 48 years old. It's not like you're going in there and you're going taking on a 36-year-old Shannon Briggs. He's 48 years old. 48 years old. He's been out of action for five years. This isn't a 
this isn't like you're throwing Mike Tyson to the wolves. If a Mike Tyson is in shape, it's better that he fights somebody in his age range than A, some schlub we've never heard of, some young lion from BKFC we've never heard of, or uh, or a or a former UFC Bellator champion and Hector Lombard. It's just it just matches up better. It just it just speaks better to the fight and what you're actually trying to do here, which I imagine is getting eyeballs on your sport to get some longevity to go out there. And I think that this could be one of those ones that really turns into like the combat event of the year, and you have it for you know twenty two million dollars or twenty three million dollars, whatever it is. But I imagine that you know if you have Mike Tyson. In a, in a match that people are into, that's going to be big box office, big box office. You probably ideally would want to do it with fans. I would, I would, I would grant you that. But as far as pay per view is concerned, it would be an absolute, an absolute home run.